Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. What the hell ever happened to the Republican Party? <laughs> I get asked that question all the time, and I understand why. Hello, everybody. You're listening to the Bill Press Pod. Welcome. One thing for sure, this is not the Republican Party of our grandfathers or even our fathers. They may have voted for Ronald Reagan or George Bush. Today, neither Reagan nor Bush could win a Republican primary. They're not extreme enough for today's Republican crowd. But, you know, as much as we'd like to, we can't blame it all on Donald Trump. In his powerful new book, The Destructionists, Washington Post columnist Dana Milbank traces how over 25 years, starting with Newt Gingrich, the mainstream Republican Party gradually became more and more extreme. So extreme that in 2016, Donald Trump didn't have to take over the Republican Party. He was handed the Republican Party on a silver platter by cowards like Kevin McCarthy, Lindsey Graham, Chris Christie, and Mitch McConnell. As Milbank documents in The Destructionist, Republicans not only destroyed the Republican Party, they destroyed everything in its path, and today they're attempting to destroy our very democracy. But first, a quick programming note. You know, Dana Milbank and I recorded our interview Uh, about a week ago before I left for a quick family vacation in Alaska, during which time the FBI raided Donald Trump's compound in Mar-a-Lago, as you all know, prompting a predictable response from today's cowardly Republicans. Fortunately, however, as you'll learn at the end of our interview, I was able to catch up with Dana Milbank from Alaska yesterday to get his take on this latest chapter in the Donald Trump circus. Dana Milbank, uh, good to talk to you. Welcome back to the Bill Press Pod. Thank you, Bill. It's always a pleasure. Uh, and uh, congratulations on the new book, The Destructionist, the 25-year-old, the 25-year crack-up of the Republican Party. Uh, Dana, I must say, uh, reading this, uh, it's just a sort of a summary and account of all the, pardon my phrase, ugly shit that we've lived through for the last 25 years from the Republican Party. Um, my feeling when I finished was, I, I think we're lucky we survived this period. <laughs> <laughs> well, you first, know. I'm sorry to make you relive some of those things. They were they were painful enough the first time around, Bill. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, hear, I found it uh, in, in, an important exercise because while these things were happening, you know, Newt and Rove and the Iraq War and the, um, uh, you know, the, uh, uh, the, the demonizing of uh, John Kerry by the uh, Swift yeah. Boats, the Tea Party, the birtherism, I mean, it goes on and on. I was not necessarily, you know, going back and recalling these events that uh, we witnessed, I was seeing them in a new light, uh, in light of what we've seen from Trump, what we saw uh, at the insurrection. You can see there were many aha moments when you said, ah, so this is where that came from. Uh, yeah. There were all yeah. these antecedents uh, that I kept coming back to. Uh, you know, going all the way back to the so-called murder of, uh, uh, of Vince Foster, things that maybe we thought were amusing or wrong, but not, you know, democracy shattering at the time. Right. I think when you, you add them up and you compound them, uh, you really begin to see that it was, you know, all accelerating uh, year after year, making Trump uh, uh, possible, I think, if not inevitable. Right. No, I and I think that's the importance of the book. I mean, there is a continuity, right, to this craziness uh, 
that we didn't realize. It is all connected, and you show that uh, very conclusively, I believe, in the book. I want to ask you first about the title, Destructionist. I mean, that title, uh, that's a pretty powerful title. It carries a lot of meaning within it. Well, yeah, I mean, it actually came up with, uh, you know, we were kicking around ideas and uh, somebody had said the obstructionist. And I was like, come on, that's like a small piece of it is obstruction, like filibusters and stuff. I mean, it's not obstruction, it's destruction. They're the destructionist. So that that, that's sort of why we uh, we came to that. And it's uh, I mean, it's I, I suppose you could say destroyers, but, you know, you could be a destroyer and do it sort of inadvertently. Uh, the uh, destructionist implies that it's uh, more of a uh, avocation or perhaps a vocation uh, that you actually get something uh, out of uh, bringing the wheels of government uh, to a halt, that uh, the, the, the destruction of many of these um, institutions of government serve to benefit the people doing the destroying. Yeah, if I may quote you uh, on page 10 of my copy of the book, in the process, they became the destructionists. They destroyed truth. They destroyed decency. They destroyed patriotism. They destroyed national unity. They destroyed racial progress. They destroyed domestic stability. And they destroyed the world's oldest democracy. Uh, at least they're trying to, right? Maybe they haven't succeeded in that last thing yet. But um, that's their agenda, isn't it? Yeah, and I, I mean, uh, and I tried, and you know, I, I use those because in each of those cases, I tried to go through and uh, give examples, example yep. after example, perhaps too many examples <laughs> of how uh, um, each of those uh, things were done. Uh, you know, we, I call it the crack up of the Republican Party. That doesn't mean it's a crack up in an electoral sense. I mean, uh, you know, if history's any uh, a judge, they'll pr- probably do well in these uh, midterm elections. I just meant a crack up in terms of the integrity of what mm-hmm. the party stood for. It was, um, uh, you know, in 1994, still an active good faith participant in the American democratic process. And I don't think you can uh, say that anymore. Uh, and you do see it, you see it in the uh, uh, increasing uh, condoning of uh, violence and uh, illiberalism. Mm-hmm. Uh, you see it in inviting more and more uh, uh, white supremacists uh, deliberately into the fold to drive more uh, energy. Uh, you see it in the deliberate use uh, of disinformation. Uh, you know, it obviously reached its uh, a peak with the, with the big lie, but has been building for a quarter century. So, Clearly, the Republican Party that we, you and I, once knew, uh, even the party of a Ronald Reagan or a George H.W. Bush, or to a certain extent, George W. Bush, uh, that's clearly no longer the Republican Party that we have today. When did it, when did it start turning? Right. And I think that's a crucial thing to, to uh, point out, Bill, because, I mean, we, we know that George W. Bush could certainly not be uh, win a primary in this Republican Party. Ronald mm-hmm. Reagan could certainly not win a yeah. primary uh, in this re- Republican right. Party. By the definitions we're using uh, of rhinos, uh, they would they would both very easily uh, qualify for that. And you know, needless to say, uh, Mitt Romney and uh, John McCain would also be out. So uh, you know, they they are they they are not qualified as uh, Republicans um, by this standard. So uh, when did it happen? I think there wasn't um, any one moment. I think it was. Uh, you know, the, uh, the, the, the boiling frog, I think it, uh, I mean, to, to take it in the biggest terms, we go back to, uh, the Voting Rights Act, Civil Rights Act, uh, and immigration mm-hmm. legislation in the 1960s that just sort of fundamentally changed the trajectory America was on, uh, to becoming a participatory democracy, but ultimately becoming a white minority, uh, democracy, which will happen in another 20, 30 years. Uh, and that's underlying uh, what all the, I, uh, virtually all of the tensions we're seeing in our politics today. And that's been uh, happening since uh, Richard Nixon's uh, Southern strategy. But I, I would say with the uh, emergence of Newt Gingrich, yep. uh, they turned it up to 11. I mean, that's when 
we really started, you know, it was a, it was a passing of the torch to a, a new generation uh, in, in politics. Um, the greatest generation was fading from the scene. Uh, the, uh, the culture, the, you know, veterans of the culture wars instead were, uh, uh, were, were now in charge. Uh, and, uh, so I, I, I think I, I use the, uh, 1994 Republican revolution as the point you can mm-hmm. certainly talk about the influence before that of Lee Atwater and, and of Ronald Reagan. But I think this is the point, uh, where we really started saying, okay, something has fundamentally changed here you know this passing of the torch from bob michael one of the most decent guys uh who has ever lived to uh uh, to newt gingrich uh so uh and then you can see like with each iteration it became a little more dark uh a little more crazy after that right and with newt i mean i've had republican members of congress tell me the same thing that you just said right it it changed with newt with newt it was from Newt, with Newt, it became all-out war, right? Democrats were no longer the opposition. They were the enemy. Exactly, fact, yes. You you, uh, you provide, which I did in a, one of my books too, the list of words uh, that Newt Gingrich actually put out to Republican members of Congress. These are the words that you should use if you're talking about uh, Democrats, right? Traitor, uh, sick, corrupt, sick, corrupt cheap. Right. Betray, lie, steal. We hear them all today. Uh, and, and so that was all out, all, full-time campaigning started right. with Newt uh, Gingrich, right? Right. And the, po- the point was people, be, they were no longer uh, opponents. They were enemies. That, and that's, that, that uh, memo of how to, how to speak came out uh, in 1990. Uh, and, you know, Gingrich by that time had already uh, overthrown uh, Jim Wright as speaker on a, what began as a pretty spurious uh, complaint. Um, but it was that... Um, uh, that language. I mean, you say those words now, and of course, it's commonplace that that's what right. people yeah. routinely yeah. use in politics. It was shocking uh, back then, um, and it uh, uh, that that changed uh, the way people speak in politics, uh, and it, it became you know hand to hand combat every day. Uh, it was not uh, no longer in the Congress about finding consensus. It was about uh, throwing sand in the gears uh, and defeating there, uh, you know, there were there was still a very large core in both parties at that time who still understood uh, the old ways of working. So I think it took some time before it became, uh, you know, completely dysfunctional. There was still Bob Dole uh, in the yeah, Senate to yeah. say, "All right, we're going to we're going to stop this nonsense with the 1995 and 1996 shutdowns now." But they're, uh, they gradually lost those. Uh, voices. So each each uh, iteration of uh, crazy, each iteration of uh, dysfunction became a little bit more oppressive than the last. Uh, one of the things that I appreciated in the book is that as you go along and you talk about, and we'll get to some of the other characters, uh, there is also a thread of hypocrisy that runs through them all. I mean, so Newt was out there railing against corruption, railing against politicians having extramarital affairs, right? right. <laughs> <laughs> and and Newt, at the same time, I'll let you take it from there, right? Well, yes, of course, was uh, uh, during uh, Clinton's impeachment was carrying on his own uh, extramarital affair. And uh, uh, of course, that is, uh, uh, we're now talking about the uh, former ambassador <laughs> to the Vatican. Uh, um, uh, look, I mean, it, you know, it, it won't surprise anybody that there's a hypocrisy in politics. That has always uh, been true. But I think what what began with Newt was this new brazenness and this new uh, the the disinformation. It was sort of a lack of you could say things with a lack of regard uh, for whether it was true or not. Um, and uh, it, you know that was that was something fundamentally new. I mean, it, politicians, of course, uh, always have and always will you know shade the truth or uh, omit things conveniently. Um, but here you had people boldly saying things uh, that they knew to be false uh, without any sense of uh, shame. 
without any fear of being uh, uh, called a hypocrite. Uh, it began not to matter. And I think that you know, part of that was Newt. Part of that was the advent uh, of talk radio. This is also the time mm-hmm. when, uh, you know, Rush Limbaugh uh, made his rise. This is, you know, Limbaugh was king right then. And, be- and in fact, Republicans called him the majority maker. Uh, uh, so it was the, you know, I call it this this war on truth. It, it really uh, began around then where it was sort of a conscious effort to say it doesn't matter uh you know the truth is what i'm what i say it is no we so uh and and again if there's a central theme to your book i think it is that it didn't start with as you point out earlier none of this started with trump right it's been building and building and building and paving the way for trump and starting with what you were just talking about with the lies i mean we think of trump as the big lie you point out that New Gingrich got into office with a lie. Oh, I, I, yes, a, a, a whole bunch of them. Um, and uh, uh, <laughs> Mitch McConnell uh, got into office with the help yeah. of, uh, of Roger Ailes and, and, and a whole bit of, uh, of lies there uh, as well. So, uh, yes, I think um, it, it, it's, it's very crucial to understand that Trump uh, was not a driver of where the Republican Party has gone. He was merely following it. So I remember very clearly mm-hmm. in 1999, uh, uh, flying on Trump's plane uh, when he was thinking of running for the uh, Reform mm-hmm. Party uh, nomination, uh, and uh, uh, he was he was conscious of you know uh, opposing Pat Buchanan at the time. So he was all about tolerance against racism mm. he was for u- uh, universal health care. He was pro-choice. Uh, he was just, you know, fundamentally the opposite of what he became later. And that's what you need to understand about Trump is he's not really um, ideological. Um, uh, all he is is an opportunist. Uh, so he saw where the Republican Party was going, particularly after uh, the Tea Party uh, wave of uh, 2010. And he said, I'm going to get out in front of that parade. So he basically recreated himself uh, to match, you know, the sort of the exact basket of issues that he was seeing uh, from the Republican base. And and he did it brilliantly. Um, but, uh, but it was very much, uh, he was very much a follower of this trend, not a, uh, uh, not the creator of it. Uh, by the way, just a footnote on Newt Gingrich. We, we, we can't speak of him in the past tense because he is today, uh, he claims at least a consultant to Kevin McCarthy. (laughs) <laughs> yes, is it? it well, they've gone full circle. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, and he and, and he's uh, on the board of this uh, America First think tank that mm-hmm. uh, uh, has uh, hosted Trump. And uh, uh, at 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 a forum, he had a he did a one on one exchange with uh, uh, Kevin McCarthy. Yes, they are very tight, and uh, you know we are all living in Newt Gingrich's world. Uh, right now. Uh, and, uh, um, uh, you know, uh, Newt was very pleased with his, uh, uh, his progeny in, in looking at uh, Kevin McCarthy. You referred to the Republican Party at one point as the uh, party of white grievance. To what extent is racism, uh, does racism drive the Republican Party agenda? And since when? Well, so this um, goes back uh, in the in the broadest sense to the 1960s uh, and the you know, civil rights, voting rights, uh, immigration changes. Uh, you know, Richard Nixon's uh, Southern strategy. Uh, we can go through uh, all of that. I think that set us in motion to where we are now. Um, uh, and again, this is something that happened uh, quite uh, quite gradually over time, uh, but uh, and accelerated. Uh, during uh, during the Trump times, but uh, you know, as we approach uh, white minority um, status uh, in this country, you, know, you look at the say the the autopsy the Republican Party did after twenty twenty. Oh, yeah. I mean they've they've lost 
the popular vote, I think it, I, I don't have it in front of me. I think it's you know seven of the last uh, uh, eight uh, presidential contests. Uh, the autopsy after Mitt Romney's law said, "Hey, look, we have to appeal to uh, black, uh, Latino, and other uh, uh, racial uh, minorities, or we're going to be out in the cold." That's just you know, it's a demo- demographic uh, fact. Um, and uh, uh, Trump's innovation was to say, "Well, if we stoke uh, the." Uh, uh, the fears of that uh, uh, of the of the white majority as it gradually approaches minority status, we can get them to turn out in ever larger number. Uh, and you've seen that with that with the the white evangelical Protestants who are mm-hmm. voting at much higher rates than their proportion uh, in the population. So, uh, in, in to some extent, this has been happening. Uh, since the 60s, to a very great extent, it's been happening uh, since the 1990s. And you see uh, the uh, uh, white, uh, less educated, uh, religious, uh, you know, middle America voting at a much higher proportion. So that it's been, uh, it, it, race has been absolutely key uh, to the Republicans' ability to uh, maintain uh, their presence. Which uh, evolved also, in, 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 as you point out, into kind of an early, if support may be too wrong a word, but tolerance of white nationalists, white nationalism, even after Oklahoma City, you know, Newt Gingrich is saying, well, you know, these anti-government, it, it, it sort of was an early echo of Trump, these anti-government militias, there's some, there's some pretty fine people there, right? They're not violent. I'm- uh, pretty fine people on both sides. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, so you, on the one hand, you had you know the increasing tolerance of racism mm-hmm. uh, in the party. I think necessary to uh, generate the greater turnout of the white voters to elevate uh, the threat that they feel. And uh, there is a lot of overlap between the two, but there is somewhat of a distinction too. There's also the anti-government crowd, the militia crowd, right, right. Uh, the patriot movement. So this. Uh, 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 first rose in, well, it's risen at various times in American uh, history, but it uh, rose in the 1990s. Uh, It faded during George W. Bush's uh, presidency. It came roaring back. Um, uh, But you've seen parallel efforts uh, among Republican leaders to sort of uh, tap the enthusiasm uh, of the the anti-government extremists, tap the enthusiasm uh, of the white supremacists, but inevitably this meant opening up the curtain of the party and letting them in, yeah. Uh, yeah. you know, a, a little more uh, with each iteration until you have, you know, uh, proud boys uh, stand by. Uh, so it, 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 in each of these uh, iterations, it just sort of uh, was, was necessary to bring in uh, those, the, the extremists, whether they were anti-government extremists or whether they were, um, uh, uh, racial uh, extremists. You know, the party of Ronald Reagan was for limited government. Uh, the party right now, as we see, is sort of anti-government, uh, and that was a gradual evolution. Uh, and you could draw a line, as you do, you know, right through that, all the way up to January 6th. <laughs> it's almost, you could predict that's where it would end up, right? Yeah, I mean, you could, or or someplace like it, and if it didn't happen in uh, January 6th of uh, uh, 2021, it would have happened uh, at some other point. But, you know, you see the uh, erosion of... Uh, 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 democracy uh, at various points. Like you saw, you saw it in uh, Bush v. Gore, and then in the intimidation used uh, in Miami Dade during uh, the recount um, in 2000. Uh, you saw it in uh, the Supreme Court uh, gutting uh, the Voting Rights Act, and in Citizens United, uh, uh, essentially shattering any sense of uh, campaign finance reform. Um, you've you've seen in uh, you know Tom Delay calling in the FAA and the FBI to stalk down Democratic lawmakers as he overnight uh, uh, has Texas redistricted to remove six uh, Democratic uh, House seats. Uh, you know you see it in the you know the constant gerrymandering which has uh, um, it led at one point to Democrats would have to have 
won the popular vote by seven percentage points to even break even uh, in the House. So an increasing anti-democratic uh, tendencies uh, uh, were happening uh, all along the way and leaving it ripe for that. So you can say it predicts the, uh, the January 6th insurrection. It predicts instability and a loss of faith in democracy. I, we focus so much on Donald Trump. Um, uh, I had sort of forgotten until reading your book uh, how many lies and how how much um, skullduggery, I guess, that we also experienced under George W. Bush, particularly thanks to um, his guy Carl Rove, right, where they took um, having promised to bring the country together after September 11. They turned the war on terror into a political a political weapon using against the Democrats or using the Democrats, right? Who yes, must, who wouldn't support the war in Iraq or the Patriot Act as being traitors, pro terrorists. Yes. Yes, it was, and it was a very deliberate decision in uh, the very early part of uh, 2002 uh, to campaign on the war. Uh, it, you know, even though that was uh, a moment uh, of national unity. Uh, you know, I think you know a, a, a crucial moment in our politics was uh, the selling uh, of the Iraq War. You know, Carl mm-hmm. Rove being key in that, uh, Dick Cheney being uh, another key oh, yeah. player in that, and you know, of course, the irony now is his daughter is leading the fight uh, against the disinformation and in a way her, her father had a very real role in creating that uh, you know it was dick cheney who was saying yep. you know reagan proved that deficits don't matter it was uh, uh dick cheney constantly uh blaming um uh, saddam hussein for the 9-11 attacks uh dick cheney and carl rove you know uh, and, and, and George W. Bush constantly exaggerating, uh, and it turns out inventing in some cases from whole cloth, the nuclear threat posed by Iraq or saying we will be greeted as liberators. So, uh, that entire war, uh, was, was fought on the basis of a lie. Now, yes, the underlying intelligence wasn't great, but even when the underlying intelligence was completely correct, they distorted it. Uh, so I, I think that really softened uh, us up uh, quite a bit uh, mm-hmm. to the uh, to the disinformation um, um, that would come later. And you know, the, the the questioning of patriotism was also just sort of a fundamental innovation of that time. You know, remember the uh, the ad going after Max Cleland, a triple yeah. amputee oh, yeah. Yeah. from yeah. Vietnam basically morphing him into uh, uh, Saddam Hussein and uh, Osama bin Laden or juxtaposing him uh, in the ad and the, the swift boating of John Kerry, making it look as if he uh, uh, lied to get his uh, war decorations. and Even John McCain, they were after questioning they, yeah, his... And they, yeah, so um, that, that combination of using disinformation to, to, for, to uh, enact you know, the, the most serious decision a government can make going to war and using patriotism um, as a weapon. Uh, those were unfortunately two of the biggest innovations uh, of, of the Bush era. So where are we today and how do we get out of this mess or can we get out of this mess? <laughs> Our guest, Dana Milbank, his new book, The Destructionists, The 25-Year Crack-Up of the Republican Party. Dana, we'll take a quick break and we'll come back and talk about uh, today, today, today on the Bill Press Pod. Today's podcast brought to you by the International Brotherhood of Teamsters. One and a half million members strong. The Teamsters Union are America's largest and most diverse labor union. They represent every aspect of American American workforce, from vegetable workers in California, construction workers in Las Vegas, brewery workers in St. Louis, and bakers in Maine. As they say, they represent everybody from A to Z, airline pilots to zookeepers. We salute the members of the Teamsters Union and thank them for their support of the Bill Press Pod. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie. And we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Ah. 
The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. And we're back. Uh, very, very important book. Uh, we'll bring every uh, bring you up to date on where we are with the Republican Party today by uh, Dana Milbank, Washington Post columnist. The book is The Destructionist. It's just out. Uh, and it didn't all start with Donald Trump, but it's been building up to Donald Trump. And um, if it started uh, way back with Newt Gingrich and the others, Dana, but still Trump was able to uh, the, the, as you point out, the, the way was paved for him, but he was able to take over the Republican Party because there were people like Lindsey Graham, all right, uh, or Kevin McCarthy, who Mitch McConnell, who just uh, Ted Cruz, who didn't want anything to do with, and then just totally folded uh, for Donald Trump. How did, uh, I, I get the question all the time. I'll throw it to you. What the hell happened to Lindsey Graham? How can you explain <laughs> that? <laughs> Well, yeah, what happened to Lindsey Graham? What happened to Mitch McConnell? What happened yeah. to uh, Ted Cruz? What happened to Kevin McCarthy, although who knows where? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he, right. He might have an excuse. Marco Rubio, uh, any of them. Yeah. Um, look, I think in the uh, it was self-interest in the, in, in uh, you know, primarily, uh, you know, people saw, uh, you know, it was self-interest that drove Donald Trump to become Donald Trump. Uh uh, mm -hmm. They saw where this party was going. They wanted to uh, stay relevant. Uh, they adjusted. Uh, you know, they legitimized Trump. They became his enablers so that they could uh, stay relevant. You know, as, as Lindsey Graham says, in terms of you know contributing to policy and the debate, but also so they didn't get booted out of office. I mean, the uh, the idea of uh, uh, you know promoting purity to the party. This has been going on. So, you know, the Club for Growth started in, I think it was 1999, and Heritage Action and the Republican Study Committee and the uh, Freedom Caucus um, had all been uh, pointing um, in this direction uh, as well. So, uh, you know, I think it was, uh, it was self-interest and a, a notion that uh, their careers would be over. Uh, if they didn't uh, get on board, and then you know, I think the, I think it's just a human thing. At one point, you know, you uh, need to uh, eliminate the cognitive uh, dissonance that's going on because you're saying a lot of things you don't believe. Well, you just—it's not even a conscious process. You begin to adjust uh, what you hmm. believe in to be so, so it is consistent with the things coming out of your mouth. So uh, there's no question that you know that Donald Trump accelerated uh, the. Uh, the, the devolution uh, of the Republican Party. Um, but he, he most definitely didn't start that. You uh, referred to a couple of the players uh, before. What role has the conservative media played uh, in all of this over the years and particularly in the Trump era? Well, it's 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 been an evolution, right? We start with the uh, you know the rise of uh, conservative talk radio and, and Rush Limbaugh. We have the era of the Drudge Report, and uh, we have the uh, early era of, of Fox News, which you know quickly devolves into uh, uh, the Glenn Beck moment. And Tucker Carlson today is, but you know, just an imitation of what Glenn Beck was uh, a dozen uh, or fifteen years ago, um, and of course. Uh, 
you know, it's been fueled by uh, uh, social media, which is not, uh, you know, it's not a unique problem uh, on the right. It, it happens on the left as well. It has siloed everybody uh, so that we're only getting uh, news that reinforces our view. Uh, the problem is, uh, you know, uh, with the Fox News uh, uh, ecosystem, uh, people are only getting false news is <laughs> reinforcing uh, their view. So it is, you know, it is unquestionably uh, made things worse uh, mm-hmm. within within the party and where it was going. Uh, you know, but there are so many other factors, as we've discussed the uh, uh, the racial factor, uh, the uh, uh, the uh, anti government uh, uh, factor. Um, you know the disinformation outside of, uh, of Fox News. Uh, so uh, uh, you know it's hard to tease out how much of this would have happened if Rupert Murdoch and, and Roger Ailes uh, didn't exist. I suspect something else would have filled that vacuum because uh, we saw from the late '80s on that uh, things were heading in that direction. And and there was also the, as you point out, the evangelical factor, right, with people like Gary Bauer and Ralph Reed uh, and uh, back to Jerry Falwell, uh, who seems mild compared to the evangelicals today, right? But uh, uh, yeah. they, 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 they formed this uh, alliance with the Republican Party, and the Republican Party has basically adopted their uh, extreme conservative agenda. Right. I, I mean, the, uh, you know, I, I go back through the history of the Christian coalition and, you know, yeah. Ralph Reed before he was sort of an all purpose, uh, you know, hustler uh, <laughs> making money for himself from the uh, conservative movement. You know, that was a, uh, a key change for uh, religious conservatives became uh, very intensely involved. You know, I, I, people, you know, think this all began with the uh, 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 with abortion uh, and, and Roe v. Wade. That was largely a, a Catholic uh, objection. There, uh, the uh, evangelical Christians be- got onto that issue and became more uh, political uh, uh, significantly later than that. But the, yes, yeah, so, so that that was another uh, uh, phenomenon that increased uh, in the 1990s. Much more. Uh, partisan uh, effect uh, of, of the uh, evangelical Christians uh, who are, you know, uh, proved to be a pretty heavy plurality of those keeping uh, Donald Trump in office and in, in large part because they were voting uh, in, in numbers so much greater than their representation in the population. Do you see any uh, sign today that Trump's influence um, is starting to wane a little bit? Well, yes, but it is. I, but Trumpism's influence isn't starting uh, to wane at uh, all. So, yeah. um, in that sense, does it matter if it is Donald Trump saying it, or if it's Ron DeSantis saying it? Or, mm. um, I, I, I mean, I suppose it makes a little bit of a difference. But um, I, 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 because uh, Donald Trump didn't create this situation, uh, the the gradual disappearance of Trump from the scene, because he will eventually <laughs> disappear, um, is not going to change uh, the situation that we're in fundamentally. It has already become uh, an illiberal uh, faction, uh, this party. It has cast its lot in uh, with you know, having minority power minority political power. Um, and, uh, uh, there's no real way out of that. Um, so, uh, you know, if you are, uh, other than, you know, democracy is working against the Republican party because of demographics. So the only way it survives in its current state is to fight against democracy. And that's happens whether Trump is here or not. So there are some brave souls out there. You know them. I know them. Um, Charlie Sykes at the bulwark and, uh, um, Bill Crystal. Uh, Dan Quayle's former chief of staff, one of the chief architects of the Iraq war, Liz Cheney, of course, who are saying, no, you know, we're holding our own and we're going to bring the Republican Party back, right? We're going to get back to what the Republican Party was all about, the party of ideas and little government and and policies and and get rid of this Trumpism. Uh, Are they just blowing smoke? Is there any hope, do you think, that that uh, they can the Republican Party, the old Republican Party we once knew, can never come back. 
Look, I see, I mean, look, I more power to them. They're doing God's work, but I, I see zero evidence that, that they're having that effect at all. I, I think uh, it's, it's too few of them uh, and it's too little and it's too late. Uh, you know, there was, a ch- there was a time in 2016 where they could have gotten together and said, okay, this has gone too far. Um, mm-hmm. But they, uh, they didn't do that. Uh, they... Uh, uh, they folded you know, one by one and said, all right, we're going to just uh, uh, make a deal with the devil. And I think from that moment on, you, I mean, people hoped that there would be a change, but uh, uh, it seemed uh, that it was too late. Um, now, that doesn't mean that you know, there won't be people who vote Republican who can't stand uh, the MAGA movement and, and Trumpism. That will still occur. Uh, it doesn't mean the Republican Party um, can't win uh, in the near term, uh, you know, if, even in its current uh, structure, um, but I, I, it, I see, I see virtually no hope uh, that the, that the party can regain where it was. I mean, I, I often talk with the people I used to cover in the George W. Bush White House and say, "Can you remind me what we were?" all arguing about like it seemed like there were some big fights at the time but um in retrospect they were you know they were all pretty narrow uh narrow arguments and uh uh it it really is a it it it, they they are they are essentially on the same side that uh that we are and that was the side of democracy and that is unfortunately not winning at the moment yeah i mean it looks it's almost quaint Right when it lo- seems almost quaint when we look back at some of the things we were arguing about, right, or writing about, and 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 yes, the, you know the the size of uh, you know and structure of tax bills, and are we funding yeah. social security? I mean, are we welfare reform. Hey, these were good yeah. discussions to be had. Yeah. We were not discrediting uh, elections and uh, using Stalinist terms about the uh, uh, the enemy of the people, media, and uh, inviting. Uh, uh, a Hungarian fascist to address CPAC. Uh, so, as you just said, uh, today it's democracy that is on the line. Uh, let me just ask you to to sum up. Um, given uh, all your reporting, uh, uh, all your experience, and your uh, observations of the political scene today, uh, are you confident that our democracy will survive? Well, Bill, I uh, threw out my crystal ball after I said the <laughs> yeah. Republican voters are too good to uh, to give us Donald Trump in 2016. So I had to eat my column for that. Uh, look, I have boundless optimism in the long run um, that we will uh, uh, get through this. Um, in the short, I don't don't know how bad it's going to be in the short term. Look, there is mm. going to be, you know, we are becoming a multicultural majority country. That's going to happen. There, you if you stopped immigration today, that's still going to happen. Yeah. Um, and uh, so I'm, you know, I'm uh, confident that our uh, children and grandchildren will be able to rebuild what has been lost. The question is, how much more has to be lost uh, in the short term? Um, and and in the medium term, uh, and I'm not very optimistic there. I I, I think the all the incentives for um, the Republican Party now are to continue on this path, which means mm-hmm. uh, e- e- bringing ever more uh, violent rhetoric, ever more uh, white nationalist uh, beliefs, uh, ever more disinformation to try to uh, sustain this uh, this this state of unreality. Uh, so that could still go on for many years. And now, here's the latest from Dana Milbank on Mar-a-Lago. Well, Dana Milbank, welcome back. And uh, since we talked last week, I mean, the Trump show just rolls on and on. Uh, What's your reaction to the FBI's uh, seizure of documents at Mar-a-Lago? How serious is this? Yeah, I mean, Bill, when I uh, called it the destructionist, I didn't anticipate that the MAGA Republicans would actually light a bonfire under our country the very week that the uh, book came out. But uh, uh, that that seems to be what they're doing. Um, look, the I mean, the the search itself is you know uh, jolting, but not uh, uh, not a, a, an earth shaking uh, event. Uh, what the reaction to it is, though, you have I mean, it brought out all of the worst uh, impulses that we've seen. So, sort of the reflexive 
wrapping themselves around Trump, but this violent rhetoric uh, you know, that, uh, uh, that you're under attack, uh, that we need to destroy the FBI, that it's corrupt, that it's the Gestapo and the KGB. Uh, not surprisingly, we've seen actual violence. Right. Uh, and, and then you've got you know, more wackadoodle conspiracy theories that the FBI is uh, planting evidence. Uh, and then, you know, not for uh, the first time, Republicans are, you know, out on his limb here and there's reports, oh, well, maybe they were actually nuclear secrets involved. So sort of uh, uh, failing to look before uh, they leapt. So we've seen uh, the repeat of, of a lot of the pathologies uh, that we saw during the Trump era and the, and the sort of things that uh, I was writing about uh, that led up to that era in terms of the disinformation uh, and the violent uh, rhetoric and the sort of lack of regard uh, for the rule of law. It just all seems to have come together here. Uh, and it's really, I, you know, I think it's, it's shaken, uh, I, I think it's shaken a lot of people in terms of uh, rule of law. Uh, it also seems to have shaken up uh, the midterms quite a bit. Well, I must say, when I, when I saw the news, I thought that this proves true everything you talked about in your book, both in terms of how far they will go and how much they will, that Trump supporters will not only accept, but defend, right? Does anything, anything goes, anything goes today, right? Yes, defending the absolute uh, indefensible. And I think it, it makes the case, which, uh, you know, is really the reason uh, for doing the book, that this is very much a, a real uh, and, and present danger. Uh, and that you know people need to mobilize against this sort of thing. So it's uh, I mean it's it's a nightmare, but it's uh, it's important uh, to have this reminder that the uh, the threat of Trump uh, remains with us, whether it's in, motivated by Trump in this case or not motivated by Trump. Uh, and in many ways, is more insidious. It's getting deeper down uh, into our culture, uh, and this certainly shows it. So you know this I I had hoped that the book would be you know sort of a wake up call. For for those not uh, uh, appreciating the extent of the threat, but it appears that people really are waking up, and we're seeing that, and uh, you know, Democratic voters showing a whole lot more uh, enthusiasm and engagement mm-hmm. uh, uh, for the midterms, and it's, it it appears that people are waking up or returning to the level of alertness that they had in 2018 and 2020, and I think that's very important because the threat has not gone away, and in many ways, it's grown. But it does prompt one to ask that if the seizure, and of course everybody innocent until proven guilty, but we've seen the search warrant now, and we're talking about a former president who has, uh, at least arguably, taken the very top most secret document, among the most secret documents of the administration, including documents containing nuclear secrets, and stolen those away to, to his private home in clear violation of the law and perhaps violation of the Espionage Espionage Act. Dana, if that doesn't prompt Republicans to say enough is enough, what will? Well, you know, and haven't we asked ourselves this very question repeatedly, and, and the answer seemingly is nothing. Right. Uh, and, you know, and of course, you know, we don't know. So just as uh, the uh, the pro-Trump folks shouldn't, uh, uh, you know, speculate about uh, the nefarious motives of the FBI w- without any basis for information. Now, OK, the uh, reports are emerging of uh, uh, of uh, some pretty uh, serious and damaging uh, stuff that may be in here. But OK, let's wait and see what it is. But we know uh, potentially, uh, at the very least, this, uh, you know, is a, is, is a whole other uh, level of menace. Uh, and it, it, I, I think the question has been answered already uh, repeatedly that there is nothing that, uh, uh, that, it, that people will say, no, that's too far. I'm just not going to go uh, right. down that path. Uh, and it, you know, even, even when they hesitate, they seem eventually to go down the path. And this time, there wasn't even any hesitating. It was reflexive. Right. Especially and, and led by, I might say, uh, Republican leader Kevin McCarthy, right? Who right away said, "Ah, uh-uh. ah, Merrick, Merrick Garland, you better watch out. We're coming after you, dude." 
Right. And also, I mean, talking about the weaponizing of the justice system, now he has to know better than that. And it's, you know, so it's not just the Gozars and the Marjorie Taylor Greens. Right. We have the leaders of the Republican Party in this case, you know, just a few degrees difference from from them in terms of what they're doing in terms of undermining support for the rule of law and the justice system in America and indeed fomenting violence. Uh, you know, when you, you're being told by Kevin McCarthy that the government is being weaponized against you and you're kind of, uh, you know, in an unstable, uh, unhinged position. Well, what do you do when you're told that the government is, is being weaponized against you? I mean, it's, uh, you know, tragically, we've already seen some of that. And we've heard cries, not from McCarthy himself, but again, from some of his lieutenants, as you point out, uh, without any criticism from McCarthy, by the way, to defund the FBI, right? <laughs> Shut them down. Dinesh D'Souza tweeted out, The Republican Party platform in 2022 should be shut down, abolish the FBI. (laughs) Athena, this is a far corner, as you and I have discussed before, from the Republican Law and Order Party we once knew. Well, the the Law and Order Party we heard about, I think it was just a few weeks ago, (laughs) trying to uh, uh, hit the Democrats for, uh, you know, defunding the police. So uh, we support police if they... uh, uh, if, if they if they support our positions and and otherwise we do not so yeah I mean hypocrisy uh, as you know is uh, uh, is is a bit of an old story and of course everything has been turned up uh, to eleven at this moment so I'm not I'm less concerned about the hypocrisy or the inconsistency of positions you know that's politics uh, when you're when you're actually fomenting violence which uh, which many of them are when you're actually uh, you know, actively undermining uh, the rule of law and the judicial process, uh, that's that's a whole different matter. And, and, and unfortunately, that's, you know, we're squarely there right now. We're not we're not even hinting at it. They've just they just plunge right in without a second thought. Uh, and I guess maybe uh, the ultimate hypocrisy uh, is Donald Trump reportedly has reached out to Attorney General Merrick Garland privately and said, oh my God, the country is so red hot right now. What can we do to calm things down? (laughs) I have a few ideas for the uh, defeated former president, and perhaps he will buy the destructionists and he will (laughs) recant and change his ways, uh, uh, much as uh, poor Dick Cheney seems to be doing, but uh, I'm not going to count on it. I'd be happy to send him a copy. He doesn't even have to buy it. Uh, well, I'll tell you one thing. Uh, if Donald Trump doesn't buy it and read it, and by the way, how many books has he bought and read? How many? <laughs> I, I don't know. Are you counting Mein Kampf or no? <laughs> <laughs> That's another whole conversation. But I just want to say that if he doesn't, everybody else should. Dana Milbank, it's a great book, a great, and you've done such all a great service. And it comes, could not come at a better time, sadly for American people to wake up and see what the hell is going on and what this Republican Party uh, is really up to. So once again, congratulations on the book. Thank you for joining us again. Uh, We urge everybody, check out the episode notes to today's podcast so you can purchase your own copy of The Destructionist by our good friend, Washington Post columnist, Dana Milbank. Dana, keep up the good fight. Thank you. You too, Bill. I really appreciate this. All right. There we go with today's podcast. Again, it's a great book, The Destructionist. Uh, You will enjoy reading it as much as I did uh, and understanding uh, what's really happened to the Republican Party today. So I'm back from a little adventure in Alaska, and I will be back for this week's roundtable on Friday. Uh, There'll be lots and lots to talk about. So take care of yourself during the week uh, and make a date. You'll join us on Friday for the Reporters' Roundtable and the next edition of our Bill Press Pod. See you then.